we thank you. We bless your holy name. Thank you for the things you have done in our lives. Thank you for the things that you are doing that we don't even know of, oh God. Because we know that your thoughts towards us are thoughts of good. Father, we bless you. We give you praise. We exalt your holy name. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. In the name of Jesus, we have worshipped. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Just say hello to one or two people and just take your seat. Say hello to one or two people and just take your seat. We'll, before we get into the conversation this evening. Praise God. Let me say hello to Pastor Bank. Since nobody say hello to me. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Yeah, good to see everybody this evening. Um, we'll, I'll just start. We'll, I'll, I just want us to, you know, try and just have a conversation. I think that would be good uh, for us to just explore whatever it is that, you know, was said on Sunday. But for the benefits of those who are not here on Sunday, let me just do a quick recap. You know, we talked about the fact that the world seems to be a very dangerous place now. And things are happening all over the place and all of that. And uh, uh, things aren't looking good. All right? But we ended up finding out that, yeah, things aren't looking good. But God has not just left us uh, defenseless. God has, you know, provided every mechanism for us to survive and to thrive, even in the midst of the troubles of the world. And we know that one of the things that God has done is that he has given us a peace that is impervious to uh, the, the vicissitudes of life. That if everything around you, if, if, you're, if you lose your peace, you lose your peace. It's not because of what is around you. Because God has said in his word, he said it in his word. He said, the kind of peace I give to you is not the kind of peace that the world gives he said, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. So if the world's trouble, if the world has trouble and God has overcome the world, then the trouble that the world can give you or will give you potentially does not have the ability to be able to overcome the peace that God has given to you. Alright? And we also said that therefore from John 14 that if you lose the peace of God that's in your life because the peace of God is one defensive shield the Bible says that with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving in Philippians, let your request be known unto God, and the peace of God will garrison your heart. In other words, so the peace of God is supposed to be a guard. So if you lose that guard, if you lose that security, it's not because of the things that are outside. It's because of the things that are inside. That's why you lose that peace. That's why that guard, you know, that's why the door is open. You know, the devil does not have the ability to be able to open the door from the outside. The door can only be opened from inside. And how will he open it? He said, he said, the peace, he said, uh, my peace I've given to you in uh, um, uh, 16, in John 16. No, John, let me read so that I won't just be. Uh, John 14, 27. He said, peace I live with you. My peace I give unto you. 
not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And we say the only things that can come from inside that will open that gate, that defense that God has given you against the vicissitudes of life is trouble and fear. That's why I say, say, let not your heart. But the good thing about it, again, the good thing about this scripture that God has said is let not. That means it's you. It depends on you now. Let not. The word let there. He said, let not. He said, don't let it. Don't allow it. In other words, you have, the, you have been given the power, the ability to make that door, I mean to shut that door against the world. Yeah. Alright? And then we now figured out, why is it? Why is all this? Why is it that God has made us this thing? What is, uh, what is the peace of God? I would say the peace of God is difficult to define because the Bible tells us it is beyond understanding. So the only thing we can do with the peace of God is that we can experience it because it's a fruit and to be able to to be i mean the i mean to to know the fruit is to eat it simple if you don't eat the fruit you can't know it the descriptions there are no descriptions to describe you know if if somebody has not seen a mango tree you cannot go and if somebody has not seen a, a, a mango fruit before it's difficult to explain to somebody who has not seen it who has not known it so that's the same thing with the peace of god that it's a fruit and it has to be experienced it only has to be experienced to know it so, uh, and we now, you know, went out that God has made provisions for our security all through our lives from when we were born up till when we're going to live here up till eternity. In other words, our past has been settled. Our present has been secured. And our future has been assured. So, if you have all of that, if you have the mind, that's the mind of a man, the man that's working in the peace of God, that's his mindset. His mindset is my past is settled. My present is secure and my future is assured. So if you have that, if you have that, if you, if, you, if you want to define a man, if you want to see a man, if you want to describe a man, if you want to point to a man that's walking in the peace of God, that that gate is shut, in his heart, that gate of peace is shut, those are the attributes you look for. Those are the attributes you are going to see. That's a man that walks in the fullness of that confidence that he has. That everything is settled. There's nothing that is left. God has made every provision. So the world is not a problem. The situation around you is not a problem. And what I went out to see that the, some of these things we are not going to see is because of falling nature. Because of the falling nature of man, you cannot do things. You can, there are certain things you cannot do anything about. There are things that will just happen because of the falling nature of man. The world has not been redeemed. The the nature. The Bible says in the book of Romans, it said the entire creature are waiting. For the manifestation of the sons of God. They are groaning. The Bible says they are groaning. So some of these things that you see, non-dry disasters, and all they are the groanings of, the, of God's creation. They are groaning for redemption. They are groaning for them to, to be saved. Alright? So there are certain things you cannot do anything about. Alright? Number two observation that uh, we saw is that there's nothing new under the sun. And the good thing about it, why, you know, the good thing about that, that there's nothing new under the sun, is that it gives us the assurance that every solution that God has made is, is okay. In other words, God does not need to go and create a new solution for the problems of the world. Alright? They might, you know, they are always the same. Like they say, um, you know, it's amazing how things, you know, as things change, they remain the same. So the methods might be different. The styles might come in a different way. But the problems are still the same. So nothing is new under the sun. And therefore the solution that God has given to us from the beginning of the earth is still okay. 
it will still solve any problem. Alright? And then, where I want us to, you know, start this evening is the third observation. What was the third observation we made? And the third observation that we made is that, um, you said what? Yeah, this is the best time to be alive. In spite of all the issues that are going on, these are still the best times to be alive. Why? Because you are alive. And God created you to be alive at this time. He created you for such a time as this. All right? And we know that he did not just create you and just leave you like that. The Bible says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. In other words, the mercies of yesterday, God is not going to use it to help you for today. When your yesterday is gone, there's a new mercy today. When tomorrow, when today is done and tomorrow comes, there's a new mercy again. And those new mercies are enough to meet all the challenges that you can face, that can confront you, that can come against you. Those mercies are enough. So God has created you for such a time as this. You don't have yesterday. Yesterday is gone. It's today that you have. And what you do with today is the most important thing. So, I just want us to start. I was, uh, Pastor Abike and I were talking, uh, you know, during the week. And he was saying, you know, the, the, the strange thing about all these things is that none of these things is, is new. We all know them. They're all, they're all there. We have said them in different ways, in different forms. But my question this evening, let's start from here. Even though we know these things, why do we still, why are we still troubled? Why are we still afraid? Why are we still afraid? We know these things. We know them. They are not new. They are not new solutions. We have read the Bible. Some of us have read it, read the Bible from page to page, cover to cover. We have listened to all kinds of messages and all kinds of sermons. But why are these things still, why are we still afraid? Why are we still worried? Why are we still troubled? Let's start from there. Anybody, any take, any... Unbelief. Unbelief. Yeah. Unbelief. Because a lot of things that uh, a lot of things that we claim we know, we only have a mental accent to them. They are just, you know, they are brain deep. They are not heart deep. They are brain deep. They are not heart deep. And heart deep. Okay. Okay. When we say brain deep, it's something that you know. It's something that appeals to your senses. Alright? You have a mental accent to it. You have read it in the Bible. The Bible says that. And so, you know it in your brain. But when you talk about heart, heart uh, when you talk about, you know, you know, a heart deep thing, you know, it's something that has become a part of you. Because your heart is your core. Your brain is not actually your core. Your heart, is the, your, your heart is the core of your being. is the core of your creation. So when something gets there, it means it's a part and parcel of yourself. In other words, too many times we know all these things, but we have not worked in them enough. We have not experienced, thank you sir, we have not experienced it. We have not tasted them, actually. We just know them, but we have not tasted them. Pastor Tosin. In Job chapter 42, verse 5, after everything is gone through with God, here's what Job concluded. He said, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes are seeing you. So, you 
see the thing? In another place in Psalms, the Bible says, once have I had... No, it said, once have I had, right? Twice have I had. No. Once has the Lord spoken, twice have I had. Now, what does that twice mean? It doesn't mean that you heard it two times. It just means that, one, sometimes it goes to your head first. The second time, it has to go to your heart. So, a lot of times, it's just because, you know, we just know it. We just come to church. We memorize scriptures. and this is, it's, it's good to memorize scriptures. It's good to memorize scriptures. All right? Very important to memorize scriptures. But we have to go beyond the memorization of scriptures. We have to go beyond memorizing scriptures. We have to get to that place where we not only memorize, but we meditate. We meditate on this word of God. And not just meditate upon the word of God, we begin to walk in them. He said, don't be hearers alone, but doers of the word. Because it is in the doing that the blessing is. And why is that so? Why is that so? It is so because when you do it, it becomes a part of you. You know, I tell people, a lot of times we talk about, we talk about renewing the mind, renewing the mind. And renewing the mind, you know, in our, in, our, in our mindset or in our understanding, renewing the mind just means I change my mind. No, anybody can change his mind. Donald Trump has changed his mind many times. <laughs> so anybody can change their mind. Alright? But it goes beyond just changing your mind than to allow the word of God to begin to live in you. You have to be like a sponge of the word of God that when they press you, is the word of God that comes out of you. The word of God comes out of you. So we know it. We know all these things. They are not new to us. But we are not working in them because we just have a mindset. We just have a mental understanding of what this thing is. Alright? Any other person? Any other, any other, you know, take? Okay. Somebody Thank you. You know, uh, it's unfortunate to be here today with my brother and sister. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 2, do not be confronted with the things of this world and be a renew of your mind. If you look at it, a lot of people, though we are living on this earth, we are not from here. If you send an ambassador to a different country, that man or woman is representing America from here. Though he's living in Germany and Australia, the constitution of America, that's where it carries out. But when Christians are living on earth, they want to live to the constitution of the earthly things. And when you're trying to live with that, there's going to be a conflict. When there's a situation problem, they panic. They're afraid. Because we are not from here. If you look at the book of Psalm 119, verse 37, David prays, Lord, turn my eye away from vanity things. If we are able to understand that we are living here, even though, but Jesus said in Matthew 24, all this tribulation, but because we are so consumed with the earthly activities, we are scared. And we, our attention is built on here. Even though we pronounce it from our mouth, that is the reason when anything happens, uh, there's a problem which I say in my place, uh, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, just to... 
<laughs> Just to buttress that, something happened in South Africa, was it last week or two weeks ago? You know, um, the wife of the president of Zimbabwe beat somebody up. All right? Yeah, she, she, yeah, she beat she, in the hotel where she was lodged. Uh, Mugabe's wife. She beat the lady up. And when the police wanted to go there to go and arrest her for, for, for assault and all that, they couldn't because she had a diplomatic passport. So they couldn't. <laughs> so the South Africans couldn't arrest her and they just, uh, she had to fly because she had diplomatic immunity. In other words, even though she was in South Africa, she was not going by the rules of that country because of her passport. Her passport just makes it different for her. So she went back. It was a shameful thing. It was a this thing, but what she wanted, she got it. She got a good slap and she walked away. <laughs> Can you no, I'm asking, I'm asking you how, how we can relate that to our Christian experience when we, when we slap somebody <laughs> and yet we don't, have, we don't receive the punishment because we have the immunity. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, you, can look at it in, you can look at it in different ways. Right. For instance, you know, uh, for example, yes. right? Um, for example, because of the fact that we are citizens of heaven, okay. we are not governed or we are not ruled, right by the laws and the circumstances. And that's why, you know, we're saying that the, the peace of, I mean, the, the turmoil of this world does not have the ability to be able to penetrate your peace because you have an immunity. There's an immunity. There's an insulation against that. You know, that, that is one in one, you know, you can look at that in one sense, you know, in one sense. In another sense is that it doesn't matter what you do. Your sins have been forgiven. All right? In other words, so your sins cannot catch up with you because they have been forgiven. Now, are there consequences that this thing? Oh, yeah. Yes, there are consequences. But in, yeah, but in terms of, because just like, you know, even though she did not face, the, she did not face you know, the law in South Africa, right. but there are consequences. There's a shame that's all over the world now. There's a disgrace that's all over the world yeah. that she's facing. And because when the pressman went there to go and talk to her, she was hiding all over the place. That's even right. in Zimbabwe, she went back to Zimbabwe, she could not talk to people. She was hiding and, you know, trying to cover up herself and all of that. She couldn't come out and face The shame was there yeah. of what she had done. However, the punishment was not there. Yes. So in our Christian experience, that's one area, where, you know, we've talked about one. One is that, you know, Sin doesn't have power over you anymore. Because, you know, that, that coverage of God, that thing has been, you know, you are covered by that sin. You have been washed of the sins of, you know, of that, that, you know whatever it is that can happen to you and all that. And then two, you know, the activities of this world, the peace that God has given you cannot be penetrated because you have an immunity, you know, over the, I don't know if I, if I made yeah, sense. Yeah, you know, you, know, you can says, go ahead and, and just says, contrast. He says, uh, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, in Christ Jesus. So, although we might face the consequences of our wrong choices, but we are not punished for that. We're not, there is no punishment from God. But what, you know, the point I wanted to raise from, you know, from what you've said, um, you and I cannot experience the peace of God if we don't have peace with God. Absolutely. That's the, that's the foundation. That's right. Yeah. So the peace with, with God, because the peace of God is the fruit of the Spirit. And yeah. if we don't have that Spirit in us, then, then, then we cannot bear that fruit. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I just wanted to raise yes. that. Thank you, sir.
So I, I hope we understand that, that you cannot have the peace of God without having peace with God. There are two different things. There's peace with God. In other words, the, yeah, there's a relationship with God. The Bible in the book of Colossians, is in the book of Colossians, where it was telling us that those of us who are far off, you know, have been brought near. And God has brokered peace. You know, yeah, Ephesians. The Lord has brokered the peace between those that are outside and those that are inside. And we are now one with God. We have peace, you know, uh, with God. Yes, I just want to add to that, uh, based on the example you gave about the immunity and about how the person, uh, like the believer, is not subject uh, to, the, to, the, to, 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 to the earth. I think as a prelude to the consequence and the fact that God has removed the sins will also be the fact that because I'm a heavenly being and I recognize that I'm a spiritual heavenly being, therefore, the things that's coming at me from the world, I will not react to them the way the world will react to them. So, so that's, that's also important to understand that because the, 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 what God has given us is not just to, uh, to expunge the consequence of sin alone, but it also gives me self-control as a spiritual entity, whereby the things that I'm hearing and seeing that's coming at me, I look at them in a totally different way, and I don't have to respond to them. I only respond to God, not to those things. Uh, so I think that's important too. Yeah, that's important uh, because that, that just shows us, it goes to, you know, it goes to another reason why these things are happening to us or why we're not working this in this perspective, like Pastor just said that. Our perspective, we're not looking at things from the heavenly perspective. We have an earthly perspective, even though we know them, but we have an earthly perspective of these things. And if you have an, you know, like somebody said, uh, perception of perspective is everything. You know, the way you see things is the way things are to you. That's your reality. Whatever you see is your reality. So everything, God might have said everything, but the way you see it determines how you walk in it or how you embrace it or how you, um, how you appropriate it in your life. So I want us to note that very well because the foundation of all these things is that you are a heavenly being. You are heavenly being. You are not an earthly being. You are not earthly. You are heavenly. You are a spiritual man. You are a spiritual man. And if you look at it, if you look at yourself from that angle that I am a spiritual man, I'm not just flesh and blood. This flesh is just a coat for me to be able to operate here in the world. Like we said on Sunday, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. One, one, you know, I like that translation. I say, it's a brand new species of being. It's a, it's, a, it's a new species. It's never existed before. So, you see, when you got born again, God did not just go and repair you. He did not just take you and go and fix you and, and, and panabit you and just straighten you out. That's not what he did. That's not what he did. You're a new being. You're a new creation. You're a new creation. Tear rubber, exactly. That's what we call it. Where we come from, we call it tear rubber. <laughs> and tear rubber means, you know, there's a difference between when you buy an old car and a new car. When you buy a new car, you tear, you are the ones that's going to tear. <laughs> so you're a brand new species of being that has never existed before. So I want that to sink. I want you to sink. I want you to know that, that you're a new being. This, the thing about you, because, you see, how do we know that? We know that because what was in you before was dead. It was dead. Because you are a dead man. Before you got born again, before you gave your life to Christ, you were dead. I was, I, I, that's why I'm trying to take my time. 
I want, to, I want you to know that you were dead. Because the Bible says we were dead in our trespasses and our sins. We were dead. And because of that, God had to raise something new. God has to bring something new. Something brand new. A brand new species of creature, of being that has never existed. So you're a brand new, you're a brand new being. I want you to know so. And if you know that, if you know that, you begin to see and begin to walk in the reality of the fact that everything about you is of God. 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 They don't want to, you see, the Bible says, we say we are the temple of God. We are the temple of God. So you are not just of God. God lives in you. He dwells in you. God is, God is your, you know, your, you are God's address. I think it was at the, at the um, uh, night vigil where I was saying the most, the most prized property in America is the White House, right? Am I correct? Am I correct? That's the most powerful house in, in, in the country. Okay. <laughs> So that's the most prized, that's the most prized place in the world. Even in the world, yeah, that's the most prized house. But do you know that that's not the most expensive house? That's not the most expensive house. But it's the most powerful house. It's the most valuable real estate. In fact, some hotel near, there's a hotel near the White House, more expensive than the White House. But the kind of things that are coming out of that place, you know, in the White House, can make or change anything. Why is that so? It is so because of what is residing in the White House. <laughs> no, not, not just Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Donald Trump is going to spend eight years there and he's gone. You know, so... So the White House, the White House is valuable because of what is inside the White House, not because of the, not because of you know how much it costs. All right. In the same way, in the same way, you and I are a valued possession because of what is inside us. Because of what is inside us, we're a valued possession. It's not because of your flesh. It's not because you know you are looking fresh and oh you're taking care of your no. That's not why you are valuable. It is what is residing inside you. What is residing inside you. It gives you a value that is worth more than gold. It is worth more than anything. Because you know what? You are God's address. You are God's address. You want to find God? Come and knock here. Knock here. You'll find him in here. You'll find him here. I'm his address. You see, I want us to begin to see, you know, I want you to begin to see yourself. Begin to see yourself in that light. Begin to see yourself from a different perspective. You are a different person. You are a different being. You are a different creature. God resides in you. The Holy Spirit resides in you. And to top it all, you are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. So, you know, in every way, you are, you know, you are, you are, you are just guarded every way. You are just shocked every way. And that's why it's difficult 
for, for anything to be able to penetrate you, to penetrate and reach you. Because you are hidden in God. You say your life is hid in God. Your life, it is hid in God. You are hidden in God. That's a difficult combination. God is living in you. You are living in him. How do you, how do you extract or extricate that out? When, you know, there's a, there's a mesh of God inside you. And then you are in God. It's difficult for the devil to get you. If the devil is getting you, it's because you allow him. That's, all, that's, what I'm just trying to, that's what I'm trying to get at. If the world is getting at you, it's because you allow the world to get you. That's why in the book of John, the Bible says, it says let not, let not. It means you can, you, you can do it. Let it not. Yes, ma'am. It's amazing um, when, as a believer, when you're able to grasp that concept and to be able to walk in it. You know, we say that people have confidence, but when you have that confidence, it is just amazing. And, and I'm just speaking um, because just even here recently, um, just with the transitions that I'm, I've been personally going through, when certain things come my way, instead of thinking, oh, how am I going to do it? I stop. And then, because if he's in me, then the power is there. I mean, to situations where I have to encourage people that have other, encourage people through situations when they don't share the same faith. Sometimes, if, you, if I get in my mind, it's a block. But I said, you know what? You're in me. You have purposed me to do things. So you know what? You have to operate th through me to get to, to instill hope in other people that's hopeless. So I just want to encourage everyone. It's such a, it's not a, I'm not coming here self-confidence, but in God confidence. It is so reassuring. It is so refreshing. It's the sweetest thing. I I just get so overwhelmed and I'm just so grateful to 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 feel his presence, to live his presence. So I just want to encourage everybody. These are just not words. This is a lifestyle. Allow your spirit to soak in it and live in it. It's, it's, it's powerful. It's, it's, it's powerful. When you, when you know he's in you, when you know he's in you, and you're carrying him all over, all, all around the place, you know, it's, it's a powerful experience. But the thing is, sometimes, a lot of times, we, we detach ourselves. And some of us, we just go in and then come out. We go in and come out. We don't, we don't find the, uh, this thing, we, we don't find, what, what will I say now? How do I, what do I, you know, what do I say? We, we don't, you know, we, do, we don't find place in our hearts to remain, to rest, to abode, rest, remain there. It's a dwelling place. That place, that space. It's supposed to be a dwelling place. It's supposed to be a place where we live. I think it's just the lack of the consciousness of, of the Christ that is in us. That's why David will ask, where can I run away from your presence? Even if I hide in darkness, you're there. 
And so it's that consciousness of, it's not a matter of going in and out, it's just a matter of the consciousness of the fact that we, are, we don't realize what is inside of us. And like Tanita said, it, it, make it a lifestyle. You know, say just that's who you are. You can't change who you are. You understand? Me and God, that's it. There's nothing more. And the, and, the, and the other thing, just to add to what Pastor Toshida said, even when we go in and go out, he's still in us. So it doesn't really matter. Um, but we have to come to that place where, you know, like uh, I think John, John said, said, in that day you will know that I am in you and you in me, and that I am in my Father. And if I'm in him, and then he is in me, and then we are both in the Father, so, so where can I run to? So even if I run, he's there. He is in me. He is in me. I think that is, that, is, that, is, that, is so, that is so powerful. That is so powerful. That is so powerful. Pastor, what you guys are doing there is what we call Ojoro, where we come from. <laughs> I'm sorry. It means, it means you are cheating us. <laughs> Please. Actually, it's been said already, uh, the issue of consciousness, and it's really just left up to us. In Ephesians chapter 4, it was... 23, it says, be renewed, renewed in the spirit of your mind. And then it goes on to say, and that you put on the new man. It goes back to what you said about, let, you know, we put, we put him on. Which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So it's up to me and you, are we going to activate what's in us? We have a choice. I can choose to succumb to the circumstance, to the situation. I mean, it's real. All of us face them every day. We have the choice to make. Every day. But the choice God wants us to make is put on that new mind. You have it. It's in you. Activate it. Release it. It's there. You know, but we have a choice to make. I guess that's the bottom line. Every day, every minute. To, you, have to, you, have to, you have to make that choice tonight. You see, see, when we talk about these things, you think it's going to happen next year. As you go home tonight, you have to make that choice. Tomorrow morning, you have to make that choice. At work in the afternoon, you have to make that choice. Every day, the opportunity is there to make that choice. Somebody says something to you on the phone. You want to give them the five-letter word. Say some colorful things. Send them somewhere. But then you have to make that choice. How am I going to respond? In my new mind or in my old mind? in our consciousness, we just we, we so uh, drastically and dramatically underrate ourselves. We, we underrate ourselves. We, we don't give ourselves you know, that thing. And sometimes you know, we, we do it because we want to be humble. But, but the, sometimes those things are not humility. They're always like called humility. 
humility. That's false humility. It's humility. You know? Yeah, the Bible says, the Bible says, let no man exalt himself more than he ought to. In other words, there's a place where you are. Don't do it more than that, but there's a place where you need to, there's a pedestal where you need to place yourself. Your confidence should be in God. That pedestal is God. The fact that you put yourself less than where you are doesn't mean you are more spiritual or you are more righteous. It just means you are going to shortchange yourself. Let no man think of himself more highly than he ought to. Alright? So how high should you think about yourself? As high as God has placed you. That he's in you. He walks in you. And in him, you have your existence. You have your being. You have your being. You have your existence. You have your being in him. No one said, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Say nothing. And, 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 and he, he, he mentioned some of, the, some of the deadliest things on earth. Things like death. Shall death separate you? Say no, not even death can separate us. Not, not demons. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Yeah, nothing. Not demons. That's part of the shortchanging ourselves. You shortchange yourself. You put yourself as some kind of this thing, yeah, you know. Let's take this three. One, two, three, and then, you know, we'll, if not, we're going to remain here all day. Praise the Lord. I guess mine is a rhetorical question. Uh, with all what we have heard, um, with all what we have known, um, what will make us choose the things we allow God to do. For I mean, what I'm trying to say is what, what makes us um, choose the things we report to God, we leave, I mean, we think God should handle that. The ones, these ones, I think I should be able to handle it. What is the, I don't know, that's, that's the best way to put it. You know, you are faced with situations and there are some situations you try, 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 and then when, I don't know, something will just happen, it's okay, God, come and help me. So with all what we've heard, what we've known, why, why are we not, I mean, reporting, the, as soon as it comes, we know who to report okay. to. I, I get what you're saying. That's maybe, okay, let me, yeah, why is God not, That's exactly, why is God not the first option? Why is it that we try first? When That's it. Anybody wants to take that, anybody wants to. You know, Paul, Paul, no, Paul, Paul said, the, you know, the things I want to do, I don't do, but the things I don't want to do, those, those are the things that I do. I said, if I do the things I don't want to do, that means it is not me doing it, but what? Sin. Sin that is in me. Unbelief. Unbelief. Sin. Simply. Right. Any other person? Any other take? Okay. Let's not say anything. Let's say um, I believe the reason why we do that is because we have not, we're not surrendered. We're not going to, we, we say we are, but when rubber meets the road, we find out that we really are not. Okay. Are we, I think Pastor did a series on the blessing of brokenness. Okay. Um, are we really broken? Because if we're really broken, we will surrender and we, right off the bat, we'll say, okay, Lord, you know, 
here, over to you, but we still want to use our own strength. We still want to use our own flesh to address issues instead of just giving them to God and let him. He has the best answer, but we still want to help him okay. along the way. Okay. That's it. All right. One more person. Okay. Brakunle has not spoken then. Finally, we'll do this so that we can leave you know, in time. Brakunle. It's, it's all about you laying completely, totally on Jesus. He said, do not trust your understanding. There are so many Christians, when we face an adversity or situation, we don't pray before we take a decision. We just rush it to it. So in any situation like that, when you pray, God will definitely give you an idea. He will give you the wisdom, the direction, the decision to take, so that you don't take the wrong one. But if you don't pray, you dive into it, you hit the rock, you bounce back. That's why it comes like that. So it's always for we to rely on. Just pray. Say, God, give me the direction. What should I do? He will definitely speak to you if you open your heart to Him. I'm broccoli. Thank you. I think Tonita actually answered that question when she said we should have this as a lifestyle. So uh, a scripture comes to mind that talks about too much knowledge that make thou mad. So we think we are too smart, we think we have all this intellect. Uh, we think we have all these experiences in life that, okay, that situation has happened before. This is what I did when it happened. So I, I, I'm using my life experience as opposed to trusting God and just going to him first before, before then thinking in my mind, okay, so what should be the right thing? We ought to go to God first, but rather we go with our life experiences and with the knowledge that we've acquired over all, the, all these years. Praise God. Praise God. Um, I know that. Okay, want to say something? Okay. I'm sorry, I just want to know about that is, um, is it some of the words we hear, these are abstract situations that we know, you know, um, we have to believe God, we have to trust God. Let me use a practical ex- example. You come out of the house, you want to start your car to move, go somewhere, maybe have an appointment, and the car wouldn't start. Is it the mechanic you're going to call first, or you want to find out why the car has not started? Because if, we, if, if I do it practically, it makes more sense than all the abstract words I'm hearing. Because, um, you see, um, there was a day, there was a day I wanted to go out. Okay, my son took my car out the previous night. And then I, the following day, I went to start the car. The car would not start. So I called him. I said, what happened? What did you do to my car? He said, I didn't do anything. Okay. And then um, I tried, tried, tried. I didn't call God. I mean, I thought. (laughs) I know so many things about cars. I'm an engineer. So my mind was going through. Why would it? So I said, okay, let me call my mechanic at least. Let me, I've tried my best. He didn't start. So I called my mechanic. He said, look. I will not be able to come to your house, tow the car to my place. Well, to cut the whole story short, I so after about 30 minutes, the guy, my son found that the car still did not start. So he came down and just put the key and the car started. The same car that did not start. What happened? Where I wanted to go, 
the guy's house was raided. And then they were uh, picking up everybody that went, that was there in his house at that time for interrogation. So the 40 minutes delay was complete divine intervention. So why I'm saying that, you know, I told you it was a rhetoric, rhetorical question because we might know some of these words. They are all abstract. God is good. Some of us don't even know the meaning of God is good. But we say it as, you know, as normal. Just like saying, how are you? You say, I'm fine. You know, but when you say God is good, you really want to know what it means. What it means. Because if you have an experiential knowledge of the goodness of God, is 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 beyond just that answering that God is good. Because you are now talking from a perspective of an experience you have had with him. An encounter, a direct encounter, not what Pastor Bang has said or Brother Larry has said. You have had an encounter with him. So why am I saying that? I'm telling you like this particular example. Nothing was wrong with the car. Nothing. Just was a divine intervention to save me out from, I mean, being caught up in that. But you know, well, but I didn't call God first. I didn't even think of it. You know? So, all said and done, I know, the, I know some of the things that, I mean, all things work together, as you said. All things work together for a good. But it didn't cross my mind then. It crossed my mind. I mean, something is wrong with the car. Let's fix it. Call mechanic. My son, what did you do? You know, that's why I'm trying. We, the consciousness of the fact that you are not in charge of yourself yes. is what it's I'm trying to drive at. Which is very important. Yes. That, that's it. And really, I know we, we need to go. Yeah. We live here at 8 30. 8 30, we must leave. But, but this is so important. Tornado said it. We've danced all around it. And he nailed it with the example he gave. And the bottom line is it has to become a lifestyle. Every choice you have to make, remember this you are standing before two trees the tree of life, which is Christ Jesus. Or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil where you employ your own knowledge, your own wisdom your own life experiences to deal with the situation you are dealing with so I know my car it should start, it's not starting so common sense, normal human knowledge I call my mechanic, I ask my son what's wrong with the car, that's all human knowledge and it's a default in most of us because it's not becoming a lifestyle that we are always feeding from the tree of life the tree of life says, I don't know anything. I can't do anything. It's all on you, God. God, what are you saying? Even when you have a natural human knowledge about the situation, you take that human knowledge and put it aside. And say, Father, this guy is not starting. Is there something you're trying to tell me? It's as simple as that. And God will say, chill. Just sit down. Don't stress yourself. Leave it alone. But you see, if we don't practice this, that's why I said to you, you, it's going to happen to you tonight, tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon. It's a lifestyle. And it, the, the only way you become proficient is you do it. You practice it. That's the only way you're going to know. I bet you the next time your car don't start, you, <laughs> you will not call your mechanic. <laughs> because you now find out that that delay was a mighty savior. If you read the account of 9-11, many stories like that. Yeah. 
people that were late to work that normally are not late. And that lateness, that tardiness that day saved their life. So there's nothing trivial about living. Every moment, every hour, I'm telling you, God wants to be involved in it. Amen? In all your ways, exactly. In all your ways, acknowledge it. And he will direct about it. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Uh, I, I remember one, just let's stand, let's stand to our feet first, but I remember one, one time, you know, just like what you have said, sometimes again, it's because we have too much options. Sometimes you have too much options. You have too much options. Yeah. I mean, I remember in school one time when I was graduating and you cannot graduate, they, they told me that there was one, one class I did not pass and I knew I passed the class. And you couldn't graduate without that. You know, all kinds of crazy things going on in our country there. Alright? I knew I passed the class. Now they said that you go and look for a class I took three or four years before then. They said you go and look for, this, for the answer sheets. And I'm like, so what do I do in all this? They told me, okay, they put it somewhere in the store, in the, you know, they put it in the store and the store was so, so everything there. For years, you know, people who have gone to school 30 years and all of that, they were all there in, one, in that place. All there. When I got there, there was no option and I had to leave this place. Even though I just prayed to God, God help me. The place where, I, the direction of where I went was exact. I just went there and I picked my own from there. Thousands of, this thing, thousands of, of, of uh, this thing. Let's leave our voices. Let's just leave our voice and just thank him. Let's thank him. And you know, based on what we have just had now, I just want us to just pray to God. God, help me to devote myself of all options except you.